This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. I'm James L. Rubart. And I'm Kevin Kaiser. And this is the show for novelists who hate marketing but still want to become best-selling authors. So in this episode, as you've probably figured out, we're going to be talking to Kevin Kaiser. And for those of you who don't know who Kevin is, Kevin is a marketing guru, uh, one of the guys I respect the most in terms of what he's done marketing-wise for Ted Decker. Some of you know who Ted Decker is. Kevin has been Ted's brand manager and marketing manager for the past eight years. I first met Kevin back in 2010 at Thriller Fest. And of course, two marketing guys getting together. We started talking, and it was one of those immediate friendships where you just go, okay, I like this guy, he's bright, we're going to be friends for a long time, and we have become great friends. So, Kevin, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's no telling what kind of havoc we're going to wreak. <laughs> the interwebs will be broken by the time this it episode is done. It will. They'll be burning up. This episode may void the warranty of your Android phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, it. if you don't mind, let's just dive right in. You've had a uh, you've had a career in marketing fiction and in creating brands, and you've done it extremely successfully, which is not a claim a lot of marketing people can make. So, talk to us about what you've done differently. Yeah. Well. Well, I think you know. In hindsight, I really don't know. Um, what I've done differently, and uh, you you use the G word, you use the guru I'm word. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, it's it's okay. <laughs> I I definitely would not call myself a guru. I would consider myself, uh, you know, somebody who just kind of experiments and figures things out. I think. Except you experiment with uh, best-selling authors' brands, you know. So it's and kind of high most, mo- <laughs> and more importantly, with other people's money. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's the key. I've had the yeah. I've had the great opportunity to um, to work with some really high level talent, uh, some best selling authors, and you know I really it it's kind of a weird story of of how I ended up doing it. I could not have planned out my career the way it's worked out, um, but it's put me in places where I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, I wasn't from inside publishing. And so I didn't really know what the rules were. I didn't know what was impossible. And that turned out to be a, maybe my greatest strength. So I could try a lot of different things and uh, experiment and do it with, with people who had an audience. <laughs> you know, Because having an audience, starting with an audience, um, kind of covers a multitude of sins because you know you're going to have a, a certain number of people that are going to come anyway. And so you just want to enable them and empower them as much as you can. That's a different ball game than starting from zero. That, that's, uh, a good, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that because you had a chance yeah. probably to look at and say, all right, this one worked, this one didn't. We could have made this one better by doing this as you mm-hmm. went along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and honestly, when it comes to the the marketplace, I mean, things have really changed in the past couple of years. But... I got into it when you could still at least somewhat buy buy eyeballs and buy attention. You know, if you could get a book on a shelf, if you could have really good relationships with retailers, or you know, if you had a forum or an email list, you could you really effectively reach people. Even if you were on Facebook, like in 2008, 2009, you could reach people without having to pay for it. And so I came into the game. It really. Uh, a good time to to have some big wins and learn a lot along the way. So, 
Okay, I got I got to jump in and and just interrupt you Kevin because you, you are being very gracious, you're being very humble, but you you were a guy that did think you blew up the box. You didn't think outside it. You blew it up and you did things that other people would not think of. And uh if I can talk you into telling a story that that ended up being very successful for Ted Decker with the um well, I'll just call it the subway story. Can you, you oh, want to yeah. tell us that? Yeah, so so this was with, uh, I think it was the Priest Graveyard. Maybe it was one of it was one of Ted Decker's books. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Ted Decker, he's a uh, he's a best-selling thriller novelist. And so I, I was his manager for several years and marketing strategist and development guy. And uh, this was a really big book release that was coming out. And um, so, as usually happens, we get the marketing plan from the publisher, and it includes things like. Uh, subway ads, uh, billboard ads. Let's do a full page ad in USA Today. But you know, my big question in that meeting was, okay, now where are you going to send everybody? So we want to get people to engage. How are you going to know if any of that stuff was ever even effective? Well, the answer was, well, we we don't really know. Okay, time and out so, right there. That is my biggest pet peeve with old school marketing where nothing is measured. And so they have no idea if something's working or not. And so they can keep doing the same bad idea year after year and no one raises their hand like this is a total waste of money when this other thing we could be doing would be far more effective on a dollar basis. So um, yeah. go, go. I just want to say I applaud you for saying let's start measuring. I think what we need oh, well, is more yeah, science. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean I – I think anything you can do to measure, you know, your return on investment and, and track it, I mean, it's really helpful. So, so my suggestion was, well, let's come up with um, a landing page. Let's have a URL where we can send all of the traffic to. That way we know at least how many people we've got. We won't really know where they're coming from, how they found it. But we'll at least know how many people we have and where they click out to to buy the book, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, what have you. And so they thought that was an okay idea, um, but told me to come back, you know, with, with a better idea. <clears throat> so, so I went out and looked on a, you know, looked for URLs and I found getthisbook.com and it was available. I was like, what the heck? Nobody owns getthisbook.com. So I bought it and presented it to them, you know, with this idea of, hey, let's create a landing page. Let's use getthisbook.com. They thought that was a terrible idea. Um, and the logic, I know how you feel, my friend. I know how you feel. The logic escaped me. It just didn't make any sense. And uh, after several conversations, uh, they finally relented. Um, and it all came down to this conversation I had with them, with the head of marketing. I said, let me tell you a story. So I love your, your subway ad. But imagine a guy who gets on the subway in New York City. He's going to work. He's looking at his iPhone. He looks up and he sees Ted Decker, the priest graveyard. Now, before he gets off the subway and up to street level, he's not going to remember even to how, how to smell, spell Ted Decker's name. Is it D-E-C-K-E-R? Is it D-K-K-E-R? I mean, they're not going to remember the priest graveyard, but they will remember getthisbook.com. And they didn't really believe me, but they said, okay, we're going to do this. And about a month later... I was on the New Yorker's website, and they ran this article. You can still see it. Um, it's all about marketing and, and fiction, and they talk about this guy, this reporter who gets on the subway. <laughs> he looks up, 
he sees this ad for Ted Decker, the priest graveyard, and sees the URL and goes, huh, getthisbook.com. So in his article, he writes about how he goes about his day, gets back on the subway, goes home, goes to his computer at home at night, and still remembers getthisbook.com, even though he couldn't remember the author's name or the name of the book. But it was so sticky. I mean, it really stood out to him. So that, that's one of my more fun stories, you know, one of the, the big wins that I had. Well, I just, I, I, oh, go ahead, Thomas. I just want to underline the approach there because a lot of people are like, well, I can't use that idea because you've already bought getthisbook.com. But that's not the point. The point is that Kevin put himself in the eyes of the reader, the book reader, and tried to look at the advertising through the reader's eyes, the buyer's eyes, and realizing, you know, I know how to spell Umstat. Ted knows how to spell Decker. But Normal people don't realize that. And as you realize and you learn how to walk in somebody else's moccasins, you realize that a lot of the marketing you don't, you're using falls prey to the curse of knowledge where you forget what it's like to know what you know and you're not able to understand what it's like to not know what you know, which is the key for effective book marketing. And yeah. the other thing that comes out of this story is asking the question, and you can ask your publishers, and a lot of times, frankly, they're, they're not going to have the answer to this question, but it's, okay, what is the goal of this ad? What do we want it to accomplish? What's the end user going, what kind of action is the end user going to take with this ad? And, and a lot of times they don't know. But it's worth asking the question, certainly if you're an indie author and if you're a traditionally published author. Yeah, yeah. And let me, let me say this in defense of... Uh, marketing directors everywhere in the publishing business. I, I, I really have empathy for them because, you know, there were over 200,000 books published last year in North America. And so we have, you know, a contracting business. We have companies where there are fewer people doing more work to, to sit down and strategize for every single author. What are, what are out-of-the-box ways that we can really move not only this book forward but this brand forward i mean they really aren't they're more or less in survival mode most of the time and that, that's such a good point because you know my publisher love my marketing people and they're really on the cutting edge on things and developing things but but even so it's and i say this jokingly to them but I'm half serious it's like did you get any sleep this week because they are working so hard they're working so many hours they're working for so many um, authors but that brings us Kevin to the question of and you and I were talking about this earlier that nowadays you have to be a marketing person and that's why Thomas and I started this podcast is, is because it used to be nonfiction yes you have to be a marketing person fiction you don't have to worry about it but nowadays you do have to worry about it and editors and agents and uh, publishers are going to be asking that question so I guess the question I'd throw out to you is what are the two or three most critical things that you see missing from most authors marketing be it indie be it traditionally or be it people just starting to build their platform maybe they're not even uh, ready to publish a book yet but they're starting to build it what are mm -hmm. the two or three critical things you see missing sure well, well I think I think the first thing is really the uh, the mentality of of being a marketer and I, I think it, it's always been the responsibility of the artist to to market themselves I mean you will always be your your first and greatest advocate nobody knows your art like you do and so nobody can communicate it and explain it and 
and win people over to it the way you can. So the first thing is I think people really need to think of themselves as, um, as marketers. I mean, you, so many artists, not just authors, but they turn pro before somebody even writes them a check, right? They learn how to think like a bestseller before they've sold the first book. And so the first thing I think every author should do is really educate themselves, become a student of the industry, become a student of, of business, um, and actually more importantly, become a student of human psychology. Uh, because I think so much of what's happening in marketing now is backwards where people are talking about the tools. You know, here's how to do Twitter better. Here's how to do Facebook better. All of those things are going to change. They might even go away at some point. But the strategies and the tactics are going to stay the same over time. And it's, you know, and it's just like what we, we talked about with psychology and making things sticky. So that's the first thing is like, you know, really be a student and learn, learn it for yourself. Don't depend on a publisher because even if you do get a deal, if you go sit down in the boardroom with them, their first question is going to be, what is your platform and what are you going to do to sell this book? And you, and you need to have a really good answer for that. Uh, so that's that. And then the second thing is um, authors need to, need to build their own home base. So they need to have a website. And really the most important thing I think anybody can build is an email list. You know, Preach it, brother. Talks, sorry, every, sorry, Kevin. We're, 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 you're preaching to the choir and we love it. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about how email is dead. Uh, it's, it's bogus. Email is not dead. Yeah, we have a clean Think rating about, here on this show. Careful with your language. It's bogus, bogus. <laughs> every, everybody uses email, right? I mean, it's... Civil, modern civilization is built on email. But, but it's right not now. just that people use email. It's how they use email. I get all of my bills come in through email. When I make most of my purchasing decisions, it's based off of an email. When I'm in my email, I'm ready to make a purchase. Whereas when I'm in, say, social media... That's hang out with friends time. That's not me ready to make a purchase. I'm often on a device where paying is more of a hassle. And that's what people don't realize is that it's not just do people use it, but what frame of mind are they in when they're using it? And the reality is that Twitter, people aren't in a purchasing frame of mind when they're on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and then I think be, beyond, beyond that, you have to provide them with, um, you know, the engagement, the type of content that they're really looking for. And, you know, this goes back to a, a conversation that Jim and I just had recently about writing the kinds of things that you would want to read. And instead of trying to figure out, you know, here's what the core demographic is that I'm trying to reach. Here are the kinds of books that, you know, that they buy and trying to tailor something for them specifically rather than just being who you are and, you know, instead of being this, you know, this, the next James Patterson, why don't you be the first you? And, th and I think this is a good way to dis uh, differentiate between fiction and nonfiction. Because for fiction, I think you're exactly right. You've got to be true to the story that you're trying to tell. Whereas with nonfiction, you can do it in a more scientific way. I know people who sell tons of copies and are living very happily by finding a group of people and answering a question that that group of people are having. And it's a very audience-centric approach. Whereas with fiction, it's harder to do that because... You know, how did J.K. Rowling know that there was millions of people who wanted to read about a kid going to a boarding school where he learned magic? You know, it's like there's no real way to do your market research and see if that's going to work. She had to be true to her story. 
uh, and ultimately being true to the story is what made a story that people wanted to buy. True. I do think that there are, I do think that there are a lot of people who approach it backwards though, where they will say, they will look at, okay, Hunger Games, Maze Runner, they'll look at a specific genre and say, hey, there are these specific things that, that are common across all of these things, at least in these most recent blockbusters. Now let's take what, you know, this from Maze Runner, let's take this from, you know, uh, Hunger Games, let's put it together and pitch it as, you know, Hunger Games meets Maze Runner <laughs> instead of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they try to play that that game. And We're going to have young people be well. even sadder and even more miserable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have all of them die, not just most. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're we're running short on time. Um, a lot of the folks who listen to the show, though, are independent. They are either self-publishing or they're planning to self-publish. What is some of your advice for somebody who's doing it all of themselves? They don't have a budget to hire somebody uh, to be their manager uh, or their marketing director, and they don't have a publisher coming behind them with a marketing budget. Um, you know, you talked about how they need to own the business. Can, go a little bit deeper on that. Some quick advice for independent authors. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think everybody's looking for the magic bullet. I, I'm looking for the magic bullet. I have been for years and years, but there really isn't. Uh, uh, one, you know, one article that's been really instructive and very encouraging for me is Kevin Kelly's thousand, 1,000 True Fans. Um, and it's a blog post that you can find at kk.org. It's just 1,000 True Fans. And, you know, he talks about this idea of you don't need a million people. You don't need 10 million people to make a good living with your art, you really just need a thousand people that are really engaged with you and really love everything you do. But those thousand people, you have to win them one at a time, one person at a time, one day at a time. And so it's just a matter of patiently engaging, continually showing up and being awesome. <laughs> you know, just be awesome. That That is a great article and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and this is not a thousand Facebook friends. <laughs> the The standard that he talks about in this article is a true fan, somebody who's going to go out and buy your premium product, you know, buy your book and your autographed copy and is really go to your concert, not just buy your CD kind of fan. Right, right. Now, somebody you can get to, uh, not somebody you have to pay Mark Zuckerberg to, to talk to. <laughs> Okay, so Kevin, we probably need to wrap up here, but would love to tell people how they get a hold of you. So I'll let you handle that. Yeah, well, my uh, I'm actually relaunching a new website. So it's kevinkaiser.co. So kevinkaiser.co. And then uh, I'm also, I also just launched a 30-day novelist, which is a, a project that I did for National Novel Writing Month. So for those who are uh, participating in that in November, it's it's a free series that that will help them survive November and um, be one of the fourteen percent who who actually complete National Novel Writing Month with a book. So those two places. Okay, you got to you got to talk just for a second about your dispatches because those are too good not to mention. Oh yeah, so I do this weekly email. Uh, it's called the Unsecret Society. And, um, I mean, what's better than a secret society, an unsecret <laughs> society? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's once a week. You can sign up um, at kevinkaiser.co. And it's just it's things that I'm really interested in. Uh, sometimes I'll include stories that I've written, um, links from around the web. I, I mean, it's just it, it's different from week to week. 
but it's all in the, the, the same DNA runs throughout the whole thing. And I'm a big, you know, sci-fi fanboy kind of fan, lost French, all that kind of stuff. So those types of things bleed into my, into my writing. Well, and Kevin's a great observer, great thinker, and he's a great writer. So I, I think well, uh, I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of those emails, and I think you will be too. So, this edition of the Novel Marketing Podcast has been brought to you by My Book Table. If you've got a WordPress website, you need this plugin. It'll help you sell more books and make you money as an affiliate on sites like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Real easy to get there. Just go to mybooktable.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you. If you uh, would be willing to leave us a review on iTunes, that will help more people discover the show. And it's also a great way to give us feedback as to what you like and what you don't like. If we stop doing something that you like, it might be because somebody else left feedback uh, that disagreed with you. So make sure your voice is heard. Go to iTunes.com, do a search for Novel Marketing, and let us know what you think. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.